Hello, good afternoon. I'm uh, here in the William Whitley Park uh, again, as uh, any of you who follow me know. Had an interesting week, uh, midweek. Had to take my mother into the emergency room for some high blood pressure check, and uh, we were concerned and spent a few hours there and got home about 2.30 in the morning. Been busy with other things as well, but that's the most important, and we're thankful that she's okay. We've made some adjustments in medications, and uh, hopefully that'll uh, level things out with her blood pressure. She'll be 88 this summer, and uh, we love her very much. Uh, we're wanting to give her the best that she can have now at this time of life. Uh, she's at home. She lives independently still. Uh, but she needs a little help from time to time. Uh, I'm sure you'll see this, Mom, and uh, just to say that we love you and care for you. Along other lines, um, I have other people in mind with this presentation. Uh, the question is, how can we have peace with God? If you've followed me, you know that uh, there's much said about that, either directly or indirectly, in my videos. Before I go any farther, I'll make one note about presentation style, which I noted on Facebook. I am low-key, generally by nature. I'm not uh, an excitable sort of guy. But I also choose this format, uh, this way of presenting. Uh, it's intentional. I believe the teaching and preaching of Jesus was conversational. And it's best suited to conveying spiritual things. Uh, I prefer one-on-one, -on -one, and this allows me at least to have that feeling. Uh, we're not in direct dialogue, but that's the way I like to keep the ambience or atmosphere to be as approachable as possible. Uh, not to be exercising uh, an overbearing spiritual authority, uh, a demanding spirit, or certainly any sensationalism. Um, I have spent many years and hours in the pulpit uh, in a suit, which uh, that's fine, but it's always felt a little unnatural to me. Uh, and again, the sunglasses are new because these are transitional lenses. I need them to see, and so we're going to have to go with the dark glasses look. I've got a uh, possible phone call coming in before long uh, that I cannot avoid, and I may have to uh, make a uh, short edit here, a pause, if the phone rings. But let's pick up with the spiritual message. And I won't go long today. I'm going to read you a text from Romans chapter 5, beginning at verse 1, on this question of how to have peace with God. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace 
in which we stand and we exult in hope of the glory of God. This peace with God, this hope with him, this exaltation in his glory, the joy of the Christian is given to us as a gift. I want to reiterate this because there seems to be some confusion between how God justifies us and what this other process of sanctification means, that is growth in our relationship with him, a moral growth, spiritual growth, uh, once we are justified with him. Peace comes from what God has done and accomplished for us in the act of giving his son for the forgiveness of our sins. We have peace with God through reconciliation. And reconciliation is when the Lord justifies those who uh, cannot in any way, shape, form, merit his favor or his blessing because of their sinfulness. Uh, we've learned in chapter 3 of Romans that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Paul here is very specific. Now, I'm not giving my own opinion, my own theories on Christian spirituality. The Bible is very clear that whatever the law says, this is 319, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God. Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Peace comes when we are justified, and yet we are not justified by our actions, our works. We are not justified by our moral improvement or our spiritual growth. Therefore, peace does not come at first, initially, certainly through those things. The reason we have peace with God when we are justified is because when we are just with him, the condemnation is removed. Not only the sentence of condemnation uh, in the books of heaven where our sins are recorded, we are accounted righteous for the sake of Christ's work in giving himself as a sacrifice for our sins. We are accounted righteous. We are declared righteous. Justification is not a making righteous um, by infusing us with some kind of moral um, virtue, most particularly love. Violation of God's law is a violation of love because God's law is a reflection of God's character and God is love. Many people, I'm afraid, even those who are sincere Christians, uh, they believe in Jesus, but they don't really feel fully accepted by him until they become more loving or until they become more like him or until they have more virtue until they restrain more of the natural evil that's within them uh, in their own strength or even by the grace of god in effect they they can only have peace with god when they are satisfied with their personal spiritual performance and that's not right and you will not achieve Peace that way. Let me reiterate that. You do not have peace with God by your personal spiritual perfections, achievements, attainments, or performance. Now there is a certain peace, a certain joy that comes by a conscious knowledge of obedience and of following Him. 
There is no peace in disobedience, and I'm not suggesting that there is. That has to do with sanctification and our ongoing walk with him. But the peace of standing before the holy God of the universe, our creator and redeemer, that comes when we are justified, when we are accounted perfect, we are reckoned righteous, completely fulfilling the law of love, not in ourselves, but because Christ has fulfilled that for us. And we'll go back here to Paul. Therefore, having been justified by faith, our justification, which brings us peace, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The scripture is very, very clear. This peace comes to us not through our works, not through our efforts, not through any spiritual attainments or even sanctified growth. The peace comes to us when we are forgiven, when we stand just before God. Jesus has taken the sinner's place. The sin, the punishment was laid upon him. He willingly accepted. It was not forced by the Father. It's something he did, God did for us, because he loves us so much. And this peace is only possible through faith, through trust in his work for us. And it's in this peace, in this grace, in this hope, in this rest that we have through justification, that we are able to receive the Holy Spirit, the Spirit abides within us, and we are able to participate in the divine nature. We are given through the Holy Spirit characteristics or qualities, what the Bible calls fruit of faith. You surely have heard those if you're a Christian. If you're not, I'll read a little bit about that in Galatians chapter 5, another letter of Paul's, uh, many Paul's letters here in the New Testament. Um, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. I'm afraid there are some who think that they can't really be just in their standing with God until they have this perfection of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness in themselves. The trouble with that is that the closer you come to Jesus, the more you see the deficiencies in these areas, especially when you're a young, immature Christian, but it can happen when you're older. And what the devil consistently tries to do is to turn your eyes away from Jesus and look at your own faults, your own imperfections, your own shortcomings, and you focus on them, and you talk about them, and you don't talk about the blessings of his forgiveness and freedom and joy in him. How are you witnessing for Christ? We should have this restful spirit of being at peace with God. If we are not, we're not going to achieve it by struggling and by trying harder to overcome either hereditary or cultivated tendencies towards sin in our life. It is through faith in Him. I'm going to 
share something with you from this little book here, if I can get my Kindle to open, uh, from Steps to Christ, which I've actually read this chapter already. This is from the Growing in Grace. In the matchless gift of His Son, God has enriched the whole world with an atmosphere of grace as real as the air which circulates around the globe. All who choose to breathe this life-giving atmosphere will live and grow up to the stature of men and women in Christ Jesus. It's the most natural thing to grow morally and spiritually. It's the most natural thing when you are abiding in Christ, when you're breathing in the atmosphere of grace, when you have a feeling of gratitude for this grace, when you have faith that you are justified by faith through grace. As the flower turns to the sun, that the bright beams may aid in perfecting its beauty and symmetry, so should we turn to the sun of righteousness that heaven's light may shine upon us, that our character may be developed into the likeness of Christ. Do you want to be like Christ? There's no better life than Christ-likeness in all of his perfections of love and grace. Do you want to be like Jesus? Turn not to yourself, but to the Son of Righteousness. Meditate upon his perfections and your maturity will come day by day. You don't need grace for tomorrow's trials and temptations and difficulties. Abide in his grace today, and then the next day you abide in his grace. He gives that grace freely to those who exercise faith in him. Jesus teaches the same thing when he says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. Without me, ye can do nothing. Morris Vinden used to say, he was a famous preacher, and I appreciate so much of his teaching in the past. He said, apple trees don't bear fruit because they're trying to become apple trees. They bear fruit because they are apple trees. And it's a lesson from the vine. The vine doesn't bear grapes because it's trying to prove that it's a good vine. It bears grapes because it is a vine, because it's abiding in him. That's grape vines bear grapes, apple trees bear apples, peach trees bear peaches, the stalk of corn produces corn. Be the thing that God wants you to be and the fruit will come. Christians bear fruit, and it's the fruit of the Spirit that we spoke of. It's as natural as can be when you're abiding in Him. You are just as dependent upon Christ in order to live a holy life as is the branch upon the parent stock for growth and fruitfulness. Apart from Him, you have no life. You have no power to resist temptation or to grow in grace and holiness. Do you get that? within yourself. Do you understand? You have no power to resist temptation or to grow in grace and holiness. Abiding in him, you may flourish because he has the power. He has the power. 
Abiding in him, you may flourish. Drawing your life from him, you will not wither nor be fruitless. You will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And that's a reference to Psalm 1. Abide in me, he says, as the branch abides in the vine. Everything depends upon the union and communion of the soul with Christ. When he fills the mind and heart, and he will, when you set your mind and heart to do that, it's simply you're not looking this way anymore toward the bad things. You're looking at Jesus. You're looking at Jesus. Appreciating him. That's what it means to walk with him. And you look at him in his word. You study his life, his characteristics. Not to earn a blessing by being more Christ-like, but by becoming Christ-like simply because you're spending time with Jesus. It should not be drudgery. If, oh, I've got to have my devotions. Oh, I've got to read the Word of God. Oh, I've got to pray. That's a sign that things are amiss. And I know that from personal experience, as well as the teaching of God's Word. If we truly appreciate Jesus in our heart, we will want to spend time with him. Now, there's a resistance of temptation. There are many things that draw us away from that. There is an effort to be made to pull away from your favorite sport or your favorite television, your favorite entertainment, things that should not be favorites at all, really. You know, come out in nature as I am here. Look at God's creation. Read the word of God. Spend time in service, helping those who need help you will begin to appreciate him more and more. Many have an idea that they must do some part of the work alone. They have trusted in Christ for the forgiveness of sin, but now they seek by their own efforts to live aright. I'm going to tell you that if you search a little harder, dig a little deeper, you'll realize that that kind of religion is rooted in pride. Pride of personal achievement rather than pride of God, faith, glory in him every such effort must fail jesus says without me you can do nothing you want to get this next part clear our growth in grace our joy our usefulness all depend upon our union with christ i said that earlier didn't i union and communion it is by communion with him daily hourly by abiding in him that we are to grow in grace Anxiety about your spiritual condition will not produce growth. I used to tell kids in the stories, you can't take tall lessons. I said that to children because many of them want to be bigger. They want to grow faster. Whether it's to catch up with a brother or sister or teenagers that, that can't wait until they're a little bit older to do things that only older folks can do. Anxiety won't get you there. To grow physically, you have to eat your food, healthy, exercise, drink the water, and you will become what you were intended to become by God. You will mature into that plant that God has created you to be, that person. He is to be with us, not only at the beginning and the end of our course, but at every step of the way. David says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Hmm. 
There's much more here, but I'll close with this paragraph. A life in Christ is a life of restfulness. There may be no ecstasy of feeling, but there should be an abiding, peaceful trust. Your hope is not in yourself, it is in Christ. Your weakness is united to his strength, your ignorance to his wisdom, your frailty to his enduring might. So you are not to look to yourself. You are not to look to yourself, but to let the mind dwell upon self, but look to Christ. Let the mind dwell upon his love, upon the beauty, the perfection of his character. Christ in his self-denial, Christ in his humiliation, Christ in his purity and holiness, Christ in his matchless love, this is the subject for the soul's contemplation. If you're always contemplating the worrisome and anxious things of the world, the news, even the daily task that you have to complete, taking care of your family, obligations at work, perhaps your service at church, We could think and go on of many things, human activities that are important in themselves, but they will not give you peace. There's again, there's some peace and rest in the in the conscious knowledge that you performed your duties to the best of your ability, whether it's the duties of a parent, even the duties of a child. Any of our obligations socially with others we feel you should feel good about doing well but that's not the ground of your peace and that's not what enables you to actually do well in the deepest moral and spiritual sense it is by loving him copying him depending wholly upon him that you are to be transformed into his likeness and that relationship begins with justification Many who are really conscientious and who desire to live for God, he too often leads, that's the devil, not God, he too often leads to dwell upon their own faults and weaknesses, and thus by separating them from Christ, he hopes to gain the victory. What are you talking the most about? What do you dream about? What are your fantasies? We all have them. Those are a pretty good indication of what our heart desires. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and He gives peace freely to us. Set the mind on Him. I've put these things into practice. I read them, and I repeat them, and I go over them, because every day is a challenge. It's a battle between good and evil. And this is where the battle is, the setting of the mind, the battle for the mind and the heart. Who is our Master, whom we love? and want to walk with and cherish. Is it Jesus, or have we chosen another? Anything less than this devotion to Christ is in some measure idolatry, making a God of other things. Hey, that's the word for today. It's a word that's been repeated, and it's a word that will be Repeat it again. I am always preaching and teaching the gospel in some aspect. Uh, Those things that have to do with the everyday, ordinary Christian life, which are, in fact, quite extraordinary. I also want to say 
that coming up, I want to do something about the, the Sabbath, the understanding of the Sabbath in relation to righteousness by faith, the gospel, and uh, the seventh-day Sabbath, of course, the biblical Sabbath. And that's the one I keep by faith and grace. There's only one Sabbath, actually. That's the Sabbath of Scripture. But that's a little advertisement for things to come. Uh, please like and subscribe if you are so inclined. Share the video, if you will. Uh, perhaps someone needs to hear the message. Uh, and I have a great benefit. It just, it just benefits me greatly to share these things with you. To do so is a reminder to me the reality of my own faith and the reality of my own practice and a challenge to me. Is this the way I too live? God bless you and keep you in his grace. And in so many of Paul's letters, he says, peace and grace to you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.